0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conversational Witchcraft with me, Dawn the Kitchen Witch. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, or if you're listening to this on Spotify, make sure you subscribe, you subscribe, hit all the buttons so you know when we have great, fantastic guests like today, the incredible, fantastic, hilarious Jenna Tellendrew. Jenna is a Celticist author and priestess. She founded the Sisterhood of Avalon in 1995 and serves as an academic dean of the Avalonian Theological Seminary. Jenna hosts residential training retreats around North America and the UK, presents internationally at conferences and festivals, teaches online workshops and immersion programs, and facilitates pilgrimages to sacred sites in the British Isles and Ireland through mythic seeker tours. A priestess in the Avalonian tradition for over 35 years, Jenna has been following a pagan path since 1986, and we are so excited
1: to have you. Oh my goodness, welcome, welcome, welcome! I'm so excited to be here and especially after that amazing entry. I mean, you just you're, you're like my 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 hype man. I I love that. That was I'm excited to be here extra now. We are like No, really. literally uh have been
0: chatting already for like 15 minutes before we even hit the recording button cuz we're like sisters from another mister. Like it turns out we kind of we both kind of had similar upbringings in New York and we both have crazy Italian backgrounds and hilarious hilarious you are just a ball of energy and i was saying someone who writes on the topics that you write on and with these this humongous list of credentials i would expect you to be like a little stuffy but you're super fun jenna
1: i'm so glad i i I surprise people all the time and i appreciate that um immensely I, i think it's better to you know but you're like really smart Revert the and you're, expectations and, and you're
0: really you're really accomplished, you know? And I think mm. that's that's in Im- fucking impressive, dude. I'm just gonna say that. It's just fucking impressive. I was uh, you know, doing a little bit more research on you, and I learned <laughs> that you have a degree in archaeology,
1: yeah, is that an undergraduate sh- degree? How freaking cool is
0: that? So we need to hear, okay everybody here really likes to hear origin story right so here you are Mm. you're this amazing teacher and you're you know you you the founder of this avalonian priestesshood and all this amazing witchcraft stuff that you do how the hell did you get here you know what i mean take us to how you found the path of paganism and witchcraft in the first place
1: so, um, gosh, it, you know, it all starts and ends with Arthur for me, which is kind of a strange thing. I I was a very precocious, nerdy child. I read mythology. I loved King Arthur books, um, and, uh, you know, I loved the other world. I loved the magic in them, and I I remember thinking when I was a kid, you know, uh, it was especially about the Greco-Roman mythology. I wish I lived in ancient times so I could worship Athena, so I could worship Artemis. You know, for me, it was just like a, you know, like a mind, um. Exercise, but then, uh, I guess in 86, I, uh, discovered the, uh, the women's spirituality book by Diane Stein. And it was this goddess centered, woman empowering, political, spiritual kind of movement that really just opened my eyes in so many ways. So my, my womanhood, my, um, my, my, my um, uh, my, my my magic, my my politics, uh, and my Arthurian mythos nerdity all kind of you know kind of arose in one multigrain bread that has become me. And uh, but love they're very that. closely linked in, in in my life. So uh, yeah, so I got to like channel my nerd into the studies of these ancient cultures, and I love their religion, and I love the interplay between culture and religion, um, the ways in which. Um, uh, the environments of where uh, uh, people arise dictates their relationship with the land and so also dictates the nature of their deities. Yes. And then, so just that, like the god origin story. And then to look at the ways in which literature that kind of flow down what I call the stream of tradition, like the stories of Arthur, for example, have these threads of things that some of them are medieval, some of them are, um, are ancient, are pre-Christian, right? Um right. and some of them evolve over time. It, it's it, it's Arthurian tradition is very rarely canonical because you know since the beginnings in like Wales and uh Cornwall and such, um it, it's it's all been like fanfic from there. <laughs> and it right. kind of conglomerated all of these other stories from anyway. So I find it interesting to see the ways in which things arise horizontally you know at a plane in time across cultures but also how they develop vertically and the ways in which they kind of permutate. and it teaches me something about myself it teaches me something about the the nature of of spirit it teaches me something about what we stand to learn from these things so, so cool so cool mm-hmm. so so was your
0: growing up environment open to this sort of way of thinking or was your growing up environment that sort of like mine that closed, catholic you know no it's got to be this like you you said something earlier just now you said i wish i could have lived in those mm. times so i could worship these deities because maybe you didn't know that was something you're quote allowed to do
1: i i think that's p- there's part of that i mean i was i was I was raised Catholic. I loved the church, you know. I think my biggest piece was um I think I once told my parents, you know, that I'd been considering becoming a nun. And uh and, and my father's very religious. He's from Italy, he's old school Italian, yeah, old world, you know. Um, you know, and, and it matters of theology weren't really discussed. It was just this is what is right. So I didn't really have a problem. Like it was like I didn't leave the church uh because of politics. It's just a mm-mm. It's just that as I shifted, uh, other pieces shifted. So but I still consider myself and my dad very similar in that we both, you know, revered deity very strongly in our lives. That said, I think for me it was more a sense of and, and don't and don't get me wrong, I read my first book underneath the covers at night and I kinda hit it because I knew right. that my parents wouldn't have been happy <laughs> about it. But but there was also not even that there wasn't even a consciousness that people were doing this. Like this was before the internet, right. this, you know, this is in the, you know, the early eighties. Yep. So it wasn't like, you know, there was some option, you know, you could be Jewish, you could be multiple flavors of, uh, of Christian, you could be Hindu, you could be Muslim. I mean, I grew up in a very, you know, Brooklyn's very, everybody is there. Right. right. But that, there was never a, You know, there was never an option to tick. So when I found that, uh, oh my God, there are people doing this here and now in this world, uh, it just shifted everything for me. It was like a dream come true. That's amazing.
0: And the fact that you had said, you know, there was a moment in time where you were like, well, maybe I'll be a nun to devote Mm -hmm. myself to spiritual life devote myself and in in catholicism it's very um you know you could devote yourself to the virgin mary you could devote yourself to christ like and here you are devoting your life to spirituality and specifically these traditions of avalon which are very Mm female-centric so like that's pretty fucking cool because you kind of i mean could you be a witchy nun like is that something that's I think I, mean, I think it is something. I, I, that, think I, think I mean you
1: know, I'm not saying that they're um they're witchy. I I'm sure that they're very um centered in there. But but I, I think of the the nuns at uh, Solis Breed in mm-hmm. uh in in, in Ireland. Yeah. I mean they they are, you know, St. Bridget is who they're revering and they're they're upholding this community right. for but they welcome those of us who see St. Bridget as as the goddess Bridget and we stand side by side and they share the flames of Bridget with everyone. So I think that there is this sense of um you know, um, at least that women's flames can, you know, unite, you know, in spirit, whatever that might look like.
0: And I think that's important to note, right? Um, One of the things for me growing up in that sort of very uptight, for lack of a better term, don't send me letters, people. The Catholic church I grew up in was very uptight um, until I was in high school and we switched churches. And even then, like the teaching is very uptight about what women are allowed to be, mm-hmm. what women are allowed to do. You know, I can remember, and I was, like, super involved in my church. Like, mm-hmm. super involved. Like, I loved singing in the church, and yeah, I loved I teaching in, the choir. Ki- in every <laughs> choir, right? And, like, all mm-hmm. those things. Like, I was going on, like, teen Christian Catholic retreats. retreats. Did you do the – like – Right. Before we did our confirmation, we went on one of those. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did it in high school, like twice, Wow. Um, like for like three or four days on the side of a mountain somewhere. And I can remember being there and I'm like 16 years old and they wanted you to sign a virginity card. They were handing around like, here's your promise card that you're going to stay a virgin until you got married. And I remember. Wow. Yes. In
1: the Catholic church? Yes. And so, I was like, I mean, I, did you go to cr- uh, Catholic high school? No, before? no, no, because we did CCD. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever, and, and again, I graduated high school in 88. So, uh, but I don't think we ever talked about sexuality. It was nothing like that. There was catechism. There was, you know, we, we learned this. We had these really friendly, you know, workbooks and things like that. There was, I, I never grew up being Catholic, um, feeling pressured. I, I had such a different experience of Catholicism yeah. than, than, than what seems to be yeah. know, more prevalent today. And I guess, you know, I mean, not it, was, even it was so long after I was gone. Well, I'm not, sorry, not
0: that long after. I mean, it was the well, mid 90s, right, right, right? Early 90s, 93, 94, 95. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm going, well, I'm not going to sign this. And mm-hmm, people are mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? You And I was like, listen, <laughs> not that I'm trying to be a giant whore or anything. I mean, I was still, I mean, I I, I, I was a giant. I let Listen, <laughs> all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals, okay? <laughs> um, but, at that point in my life, of course, I was I was 16, I was still a virgin. And mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not gonna make a promise to God if I'm not sure I can keep it.
1: At right. least, right?
0: And they were like, but you know, as a girl, you need to make this promise. And I was like, I'm sorry, who are you to tell me what to do with my body? And and that was one of the overarching things for right. me that was uncomfortable as I started to get into. Being a young woman and going, I don't feel like I have that same level of respect or reverence. I don't see myself in this organization or in these traditions
1: it is i think there's a difference between reverence and blind obedience you do this mm. because right there isn't this sense I, I feel like there's an authenticity to say i mean i can strive to meet these moral absolutely guide stones right and i don't think there's anything wrong with those things there are reasons behind it i mean let's eat patriarchal thing aside absolutely. you know um so all of that but to to, to say you know what I, I i believe in god so much that I don't want to put myself in a position to do something because an external source is making me. I want it to be a real connection. I don't want to, you know, sully my relationship. And I think that's, I think that's admirable. I think that's what it should be. I think we need to be able to have the sovereignty to make those choices for ourselves. So, so were you drawn to the pagan
0: path because of the wonderment and the, the magic of it? And, and like you said before, that, that, history element and the the mythology element? Or were you drawn from it because of feeling more comfortable, closer to your own spirit, away from Catholicism and into a magical
1: practice? I think it's probably a little bit of both, but mostly because I've always had this strong feeling towards divinities, but it was like, oh my gosh, it's permission to do this thing I long for. Mm. And to not, but not only to see, uh you know. So, like, like you said, we did have Mary. We do have female saints to look to. I, you know, that whole concept of a God that looks like me. I mean, that's round, like, groundbreaking, and I think that that, you know, that that's such a. a, a an important piece, but there was also a place for women in these traditions. It wasn't that we had to be the, you know, the observer who was not supposed to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that we can have an active role in in being in service to the divine, being in service to our community in a religious sense. So it, it was like a double whammy for me. It was both the ability for the external work and the, the potential for the internal connection. Amazing.
0: So, you're a young woman and you're, you're finding uh, the pagan path and you're going to school for archaeology. Where do these things dovetail? Archaeology, ancient world, witchcraft, and the divine? How do they come together for you? Or did they at that time?
1: Well, I think that's p- a piece of it. I, I always see myself very liminal. Like, I, I love facts. I love science. I love research. I love, um, you know, I'm not a Celtic con- reconstructionist, but I, uh, the methodology behind it, I think is important to give us a foundation to know what cultural, uh, practices we can use to build a practice today. I don't think it has to be exactly the same, but I think it's important. So there's that, that piece, you know, that I guess it's the left side of the brain and then the right side of the brain is all about that magic and that connection and, um, feeling, um, empowered to, um, transform my life. And by transforming my life, making myself a better servant in the world, right. To, To help others find that place. And it's just such a beautiful, um, heart, uh, heart piece. And, uh, I don't know, um, what I was saying, but the, <laughs> I, I do have the ADHD, just it's the, It's uh, totally fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm 100% with you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just given people at home a little context to the rest of the, but, but, but the sense that, um, that, oh. I don't know. So I, I love the idea of a little bit of both, like that the empowering piece of, of transformation of being able to uh, set things into motion with intention to be able to, uh, you know, perform acts of divination mm-hmm. to receive guidance mm-hmm. on my path. Um, and and so I don't think it has to be either, or in fact, I found, especially when I, when I did my master's in, in, uh, in Celtic studies and I did it at the university of Wales, because I wanted to learn Welsh culture from Welsh people. Um, and right. uh, it, it, But that. Going into the journal articles and doing the deep research and mm-hmm. reading these, you know, l- luminaries uh, in in the field, only deepened my practice and deepened my connection and deepened my understanding. And I truly believe that this is an understanding of culture, an understanding of the people mm-hmm. and their environment. Informs our connection to the that you know that magical current that is yes. inheri- inherited. So I think both of them for me have have one has fed the other. Right. How are
0: we going to know what we want to build if we haven't seen the way things were built before? How are we going to know what we want to practice if we don't know how other people do things? How are we going to understand uh, the origins of what we're saying we want to become if we don't study the past?
1: And how do we connect with these divinities that, you know, we're not just creating an image of a female divinity and putting an ancient name on it. I think that knowing the cultural piece, knowing their feasts and their, their, you know, their, how they were worshipped and any rites and, and rituals and their feast days and all of those things, you know, understanding that piece gives us a sense of, oh, these are the things that she's connected to. These are the things he, he, uh, he, you know, people worked with him in the past. I want to do those same things too, to just build a bridge of connection. Uh, so I think that, um, yeah, it's a path into relationship with the divine and it's a, and it's an honoring act to know these things, to Know their cult centers to know their their prayers and hymns and all of those things. Um, yeah, and, and that yeah. archaeological piece, like you said, that science piece,
0: that almost anthro anthrop- I can't say the word anthropological. <laughs> anthropological piece, and understanding the the groundedness in the people, the geography, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how the environment, the climate was at that point, right when. This particular deity was being worshiped because of how they informed the weather, you know, because there was a drought or something Mm -hmm. in this particular area that went on for years. That all is grounded fact to help inform why a people prayed to this particular deity and wanted to invoke this particular energy.
1: That's right. And, and this is, this is the thing that gets me because, um, so Welsh tradition was written down in the, in the, in the medieval period. The people were already Christian. So the stories remained in morality. They went from gods to sometimes supernatural beings. Like we can figure out who the gods are, but they're not called them. Right? Mm. They're not nowhere in any Welsh mythos. That said, what that, what that sparks is this idea of how stories shift in relationship to cultural needs. So, whereas mm. in the beginning, it was important for us to be in relationship with the god of the sea, uh, because that was, you know, to get safe passage or, or the goddess of the land so that the crops will grow, like very literal needs of a people. But over time, as humanity's culture has shifted, where, uh, you know, it isn't that life or death struggle, you know, we, can enter into a more philosophical piece you know it kind of shifts it becomes more metaphorical or it expands so for example hades is the god of the other world i'm sorry the underworld in in greek tradition but he's also the god of wealth and why is that because the other world is and it's like this in um in in celtic tradition as well in welsh tradition is where riches come it's where fertility comes it's the gift of the other world is the creative force it's where metals and and you know food grows and all of those things so there's that connection so that you know we so even as we as as pagans today as neo pagans you know we're not fighting for survival the ways that the original cultures that birthed these deities first envisioned them but their image and their shape has shifted over time it still contains that essence of divinity but now we can say what are our needs today and our needs are i'm not you know um literally going out and you know but what can i have a bountiful harvest in my life or um you know to get to avalon you have to cross uh over the ninth wave to the other world or over the lake in part from right. this. I mean, it's a metaphor for process. I see this as a, as a mythic map. It teaches us how to get to these places. It, it it gives us a reflection that is relevant to the human condition today. You know, my right. inner work, you know, going into the unconscious, um, Amazing. going into my past and finding the things that I need to transform, how I think about it so that I, tra- do you know what I mean? And Absolutely. who knows what the next level of evolution of this is? So that's why I think it's important that we tie into the current of what was, you know so that we understand how to be in relationship with it today and then because we're communicating with what was what goes on after us um is part of that tradition and then who knows how people in the future will use these um these symbols or you know connect with these divinities
0: absolutely and you said something you had a great phrase there where you said um how it informs the the future right mm-hmm. um and it's just again, like we go back to that, we don't know where, and that that goes to everything. That goes mm-hmm. to everything, right? Like, no, uh, we don't necessarily, well, we don't because we're not farmers, right? So we're not praying to the gods for a bountiful harvest because we're not farmers. We are in the age of convenience. So we walk into Whole Foods and we buy That's whatever right. the hell we want, right? However, <laughs> if we were farmers, we might be like, hey, I need to make sure that I have a bountiful crop so right. that I can sell these tomatoes right. to right. Whole Foods, you know, and, and Susie Soccer mom can buy them at
1: a premium. And all of those can exist at the same time. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. It's as, as you need it, right? Yes. And, and I think it works the other way too. Like the, 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 holy grail, uh, is this, the concept of, uh, you know, you have to in, enliven the wasteland. And what is the wasteland? The wasteland came upon, uh, Logress because of the rape of the well, well maidens where, uh, the, the, bounty of the other world was abused. The, uh, the, the, uh, the person that was the, uh, the emissary from the other world that gave freely was raped. Her her, her her cup was stolen. And this happened across the land and the wells went silent and the wasteland descended. And that's where the rail came in. The rail was supposed to, you know, re-enliven the lands. And it harkens back to the old sovereignty myths. But all of that to say you know, we are in the same position today. We are rapine mm. in our exploitation of this planet and we yes. are in the wasteland. The world is on fire or it's underwater. Or drowning. Either yes. Pl- right. There are plagues yes. and, you know, and, and it's because we are not in right relationship with our land. And in this case, our land is the globe. We're the global community now. And mm-hmm. so the same lesson can s- persist. Things can persist because they still have something to teach us. There is deep wisdom in that, whether you're talking about a local community and not defiling the well that they rely upon for their water, or we're talking about the entire globe and the catastrophic, you know, results of our actions. We are called to, you know, revive the wasteland to come back into balance, to come back into right relationship.
0: And a lot of those things, in my very humble opinion, are cyclical. Right? Oh, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. We have been here before and we will Mm -hmm. be here again. And then after we are gone, our earth will still be here and another cycle of humanity will go through this again Mm -hmm. and it will be prosperous and then wasteland and then prosperous and then wasteland. And and throughout it, people will find reason. They will find spirit. Mm. They will find... um, all the things that we are finding now, and go through that cycle once again, right? And sense. so these these symbols, and and legends, and and deities, and even and I'm not to just get way out, you know. Like you were saying, you have ADHD. Right? I'm like way out there now, and I'm going, you know, whatever it is that we believe in, pray to however we define our spirituality, whatever God you recognize, these are all ways for us as human beings to interpret the world around us. There are ways for us to understand things and find connection to things we don't necessarily get, right?
1: And how we receive that information is is uh, determined by our frame of reference. So if we are spiritual people, we're going to see it as speaking through spirit. If we're scientific people, we're going to look for the patterns that make that arise. If we're musical or if we're poetic or if we're, you know, I I think that that's part of the piece too is that, you know, we're going to see things and we're going to interpret them with the language that we possess. Right. And so it's important for us to have, I think, this diversity of language. So then when you look back on your
0: own personal path of understanding through as we, bringing the conversation full circle, right? Understanding that that, that, that history part, that mm-hmm. archaeological archaeological part, that science part, and then that spirit part is all interpretation for you to compute the world around you and take that in and then give it back,
1: right? Yes, yes I, I think Brilliant. it is. I think it is. And I think, like I said, it depends. Like I, I went to, I went to chiropractic school and I took a lot of, um, I'm not a chiropractor, but I, I was anyway, but I took a lot of high, you know, graduate level, um, anatomy, physiology courses, biochemistry, all of these things. And I was recognizing in these cellular processes, in these chemical, um, yes. you know, formula. The fundamental principles that you learn in magic that you see in, you know, the same patterns exist in, in culture. And, and it's just a different way that the universe is expressing the same thing. And, and that for me, uh, shifted so much, so much of my connection, so much of my understanding of magic, of the world. Yes. I mean, I studied Kabbalah, but it was these and, and Hermetics, but it was these pieces where I was like, Oh, I see that this yes. is saying the same thing as that in a different Human language in a different way of
0: perception. Those Mm -hmm. juicy bits in between that you're like, wait a second, this is a science. I love, I'm such a nerd and I love neuroscience. I'm not Mm a, I'm really not. Um, a book smart person right um, I didn't do well in school I read a lot I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. and what surprises me that fascinates me the things that I like to learn are about psychology mm-hmm. neuroscience mm-hmm. Um, communicating between human beings um, and and the reasons why we communicate in the ways that we do mm-hmm, um, aside from aside from you know witchcraft paganism cooking mm-hmm. and and anything nerdy right so like anything about Star Wars. <laughs> Right, so it's, so it's a complex tapestry. It's a complex tapestry, yes. So what I found interesting, and this is a few years ago, and kind of going through some like you know business books and 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 you know things like that. I'm trying to you know teach myself certain things in terms of you know a business acumen, and mm. I'm listening to these books and I'm reading these books and I'm like, this is a fucking witchcraft. There. They're talking about intention setting and visualization and ritual. And I'm like, love it. This is
1: witchcraft. Like that, you know that that's what you're doing, right? You Our know, money's not real anyway. It's all an idea. It's a concept. What's the stock market? So it's right, me. <laughs> right? And
0: and and the mentality of mm-hmm. drawing prosperity mm. and what do we put out there for prosperity? It's all interpretation, right? Mm. So who who are the gods? Who are the deities? Who? How are we moving through the world in a way that aligns us with these particular? energies mm-hmm. and we just kind of the beautiful thing about being a pagan is you get to choose which ones you want to talk to mm-hmm. recognize and mm-hmm. hang out with you're not stuck with the one that works for your great grandma you get to pick one for yourself or Perfect multiple for adhd people right <laughs> right but i feel like a little of this today and i feel like a little of that And today i feel like a <laughs> you know like and, and we can do all of it at one time or all at the same time. exactly exactly and mm-hmm. it's just fantastic. Okay, so uh, we have to take a quick break. We have to hear from our sponsors. And then when we get back from the break, we're going to take a deep dive into your latest amazing creation, because that's what we're here to talk about. Okay, Okay, we'll be right back. Hey guys, I've just got to tell you all about the Robin's Nest. They're one of my absolute favorite shops uh, for everything for my metaphysical and spiritual needs. They've got gifts and crafts and potions and ritual items and books and books and books. Uh, Of course, candles and crystals and ritual wear. So, so many things to help you on your spiritual practice. Um, But what really makes the Robin's Nest special... Is the owner Robbie Packard? She does so much to bring community and friendship and openness, welcoming people into her space at the Robin's Nest, but also into this spiritual space of anything—pagan, witchcraft, spiritual. Uh, you've just—if you're local to Massachusetts, you've got to go check her out. She's down in Bellingham, Massachusetts. Um, And if you're not local, please check them out online uh, at therobinsnestma.com. She's able to ship all over. She's able to get you what you need. She's available for questions. And of course, they have tons of online uh, workshops and classes and rituals. So really a way for you to connect with the spiritual community uh, right now from your home, Check them out, the RobinsnestMA.com, and send Robbie a little bit of love from me because when when you meet her, when you go to her shop, you are going to be transported into a world of loving magic and community growth. Join renowned artist Jenny Razor for a one of a kind art journaling class. Kick off the new year by retelling stories of strong-willed women of mythology through art and interpretation. Better know your own strength and will while working with the likes of Pandora and Medusa through your own artistic nature. Jenny will take you on a 10-week journey with live video classes. No previous art journaling experience is necessary. Get more info at Jenny.com davisrazor.com that's j-d-a-v-i-e-s-r-e-a-z-o-r.com sign up for this class starting early january 2024 and receive a free gift from jenny upon registration at cucina aurora kitchen witchery we are constantly bringing people together around great food We help you make your own mealtime magic at home with our line of delicious infused olive oils, authentic risottos, seasoning mixes for dips, and even our brand new line of coffee for moon magic and seasonal brews. Keep an eye out this spring for our fabulous new line of magical marinara in roasted garlic pomodoro, and coming soon, sweet basil pomodoro. Not to mention, Cookbooks, cutting boards, and wooden spoons for all your kitchen witchy needs. Visit us at cuchinaarora.com on Instagram at CucinaAurora and on Facebook at Coochina slash food. <music> Welcome back to Conversational Witchcraft. We are uh, having a very lively, fun conversation uh, with Jenna Tellendrew. Uh, and and like we've talked about fucking everything, and it's awesome. But now we're gonna get into like your actual work that you have put out into the world. This is your mm-hmm. creative. Force your intellectual force all come together. And you have quite a few publications out there and you've been teaching for a long time. But your newest book, I have an advanced copy. Have Do you have an advanced copy It. I have an advanced it's copy. It's out now. It is actually. It is out now.
1: So, oh, you have an old?
0: So that's the old
1: title. This is the
0: old title. I wanted that's to ask right. you, because this one says Awakening Avalon, mm-hmm. but in your bio it said the ninefold... Way of, Avalon. Way of Avalon. So the real title is the Ninefold, Ninefold Way of Way.
1: Avalon. That's right. Um, we had a last-minute uh, title change, so that's that was uh, that that was caught in mid-production, I suppose, of the things.
0: But I mean, still,
1: it's beautiful.
0: I mean, all the mm-hmm. inside is the same. All the guts are the same. Mm-hmm. The guts you, are the same. You know, I could dye my hair blonde; I'd still be the same person. Um, it's. <laughs> So, so before we get into this amazingness, for people who maybe don't know, can you give us like a tiny little synopsis of what is Avalon and what does it mean to be a priestess of Avalon?
1: So, that's the book. Um, so, what is Avalon? Avalon is a lot of things. Avalon comes to us from uh, British tradition, from Bretonic. Celtic, which becomes Welsh tradition. We know of it from Arthurian tradition. It is an island of the other world. It is a place most famously known as uh, where Arthur was taken after his last battle to be healed of his wounds. And so he remains there, this once and future king, uh, healed and ready for when Britain has most need of him. Um, and so he was very popular. He's a he's a culture hero, and uh, stories of Avalon attach themselves to him, but we believe it to have been an island in the other world. It is its basis in these historical, uh, you know, the Greeks and the Romans talked about these ninefold sisterhoods, these, uh, uh, well, they're in a lot of different Indo-European cultures that we know in, in myth, but also in the Roman historical record, uh, there are the Galicinae and then there the Naminate women, there are these islands of priestesses, they were Gaulish, so Celtic Gaulish priestesses living off the coast of Brittany or France. And so, um it, It is an idea, I think, that is informed by several different currents and uh, that has gathered together in the stream of tradition that we call Avalon. And so, said to be King
0: Arthur's resting place, right? Mm -hmm. Who else inhabits Avalon?
1: Well, the earliest record we have about Avalon comes to us from Geoffrey of Monmouth, and this is the early 1100s. And he wrote about Avalon, first of all, as the place where uh, Excalibur was forged, and that it was ruled by uh nine sisters morgan is the chief among them and they were learned women and they uh they were healers and they were shapeshifters and they knew mathematics and music uh and they they ruled an island that was governed by fair laws and people who lived there were healthy and they lived long lives mm-hmm. so it was this island paradise and over time avalon shifted as uh Again, culture shifts and connection with women and women's magic shifts. So Morgan starts off as as Arthur's uh, you know greatest ally, and he ends up she ends up as his greatest nemesis for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. But in the end, she's always part of that group that takes Arthur as he's dying to Avalon. She is always that that uh, that uh, thresholds mm-hmm. that cycle pump that brings mm-hmm. him there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. So let me ask you this
0: question. What do people get wrong about Avalon and the Arthurian legend? And what would you like to, if you, I mean, there's so much, right? I mean, I'm sure I don't, I'm sure I have so much of it wrong. Um, But what, what do you want to debunk? If you could debunk one or two things, what would they be? Common misconceptions.
1: I, I, think that there isn't a sense that, you know, people are like, what, what is the real story of Arthur? And you can't really point at it because it's a tradition that has been, um, evolving over a thousand years. There are stories that come from different places. So some of the things that we most associate with Arthur, like the sword from the stone and the round table and Lancelot, those are all, you know, Breton and French additions to the tale. None of that comes from the original story. Really? And, uh, yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting. And, um, so, so I, it evolves in stages, and, you know, it, there are stories that come from Germany. There are stories that come from Spain. And it, I mean, it was everywhere in some traditions. Uh, Avalon is in, is Mount Etna in Sicily. Um, you know, so I, I think that that's an important piece to understand that it's, it's more of a continuum. It isn't, you know, uh, it isn't a, you know, yeah, there's, it's, it's more of a spectrum than a continuum, actually. So I think that's the thing. You need to, when you talk about Arthur, you need to think about what period, what culture are we talking about? And what we have today was kind of, kind of set into, uh, you know, cohesion by, um, by Mallory in the 1400s. And then we had Yates who, who picked up and did not Yates, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Tennyson and, um, Right. Uh, the Idols of the King and then, you know, all into what we have today, all the novelizations and the movies and, you know, from the Victorian period onward. Um, so, yeah, and, and I think one other piece, and I asked for two in two, three things, um, is that I don't know that anything is wrong when it comes to it. Like, there Love are things it. that have shifted, like, and there are a lot of people, you know, especially in the UK, uh, who, who's, um, who sees a, a strong Arthurian spiritual path and, you know, symbolizes Merlin and Mor- Morgan in different ways, uh, and, and sees Avalon in different ways and, you know, all of these mythos. But, um, I think that because it has such a rich connection and it has Arthur by nature, I mean, this is part of what I've learned in, you know, in my program, the scholarship says that so many stories attached themselves to Arthur over time. Uh, he was like the Borg of, uh, of Western literary tradition. Um, I love
0: uh, that you use the Star Trek reference. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Because
1: resistance is futile. Um, that's it fantastic. <laughs> so we took all of these elements from all these different things. So I think the canonical thing about Arthurian tradition is that there is tradition and there is a stream of it and it does evolve over time, but in the end we've received it and it's still growing. It's still changing. And I think because it's based in that stream that it it continues to grow i think it's part of that so um yeah i
0: love that you said that there's nothing inaccurate right because it's all about like you said there's i'm sorry
1: just 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 to say there's nothing inaccurate uh ways of being in relationship with it or mm-hmm. to grow it but i will say that you know don't say the story of Arthur, right? is right. only this because there right. are people who study this and will tell you all of the things in the way us and all of that uh, who would probably disagree with that. But I'm right. just talking about being in relation. okay, I, I thank think you. I think that was a very important
0: distinction to make mm-hmm. um because it's just like any spiritual path can't just make it up but what works for you is what works with you for you so right. i can't judge that that's oh that's not the right way to do that that's right. not the right, right way to work with the priestesses of avalon because i do it this yes. way yes but yes yes factually yes is the, are there any are there any facts that people are incorrect about like or, or are there any facts that um are real like like factual not truth and feeling and
1: spirit but fact something you can find in the literature yes, something you can find in, yes. the lore. In, in, a in a museum in a museum, oh, museum. in a museum Museum. oh my god oh my god i mean i think that things like um excalibur going t- into the lake may be a reflection of uh the fact that the celts used to give a, the and the celts at the various celtic tribes there isn't just one celtic just to be sure. So, the yes. British Celts used to break their they break their swords or, or create swords to um, to give as offerings to the gods, cauldrons, to give as offerings to the gods. So, the fact that this idea that, you know, water as that intermediary between this world and the other world, uh, uh, that, you know, it's symbolic that the sword from the, the lake is the granting of sovereignty from the other world, mm-hmm. which references back to the sovereignty traditions. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also a piece that, you know, perhaps the story of that may have arisen from someone saying, oh, you know, we found this- like cache of of swords in this lake, not knowing, you know, the history behind it and right. uh and, and stories arise from that. So I think that it, it can be dual-pronged. And I guess the other thing that I, I see a lot has to do with Morgan. Um, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff with yes, Morgan. Yes. So people believe that she is either, you know, the Welsh reflection of the Morgan, uh, and they think Morgan Le Fay is the same as Morgows. So Morgan Le Fay is not the one who had the incestuous relationship. She's not the, the mother of Mordred, right? So most people um and I think that's it's probably muddy. No one a Miss of Avalon thing. Like, I don't
0: know, like, what's the, because there's so many different things. There's Morgan, the Morgan, Morgaine.
1: Mor- right. Which they're one? they're different. They're right. all different. They're so, different. And they're different cultural. So, so the right. Irish tradition, the Morrigan, uh, her cognate is actually Criana, her name means um, great queen or divine queen. And so does Criana. So these are different goddesses. But Morgan that means seaborne. In 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 uh, in the Bretonic language, so it's she's more, and there are there is a whole class of of, of water fay in Welsh in Brythonic tradition, because also Cornish and British Breton called Morgans, M-O-R-G-E-N. And when she's first in writing, that's how her name is spelled, M-O-R-G-E-N. And then it later becomes Morgan with an A. So that's the thing too. When stories were first written down, a lot of these spellings weren't, because uh, a lot of it was coming from oral tradition. So a lot of these right. spellings weren't set. So we get the 19,851 ways of spelling any particular person. Right. So it makes it hard to kind right. of trace things as well.
0: Right, and I, I made a terrible mistake. I was talking with someone who... Um, is lives in their spiritual practice in service of Morgan. And I was saying the Morgan and they, uh, were, they were like, and I kept referring and, and like in the break, they were like, listen, you're, you're listen. misnaming my goddess. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I did, not you know, like that's mm-hmm. not someone I generally, neither of right. those are, are, are DNA I usually work with. So I didn't really, there's such a subtle difference that I, I was unaware of. So mm-hmm. I really have to apologize for that. But I, it's out of my purview. It's mm-hmm. not something, I mean, I'm fascinated by the legend, but it's mm-hmm. not something that I personally work with. So this conversation is- It's not your fandom. Well, the fiction is, you know? I mean, in fact, uh, but I'm, I'm re-watching the time. BBC Merlin for like the ah, fourth time because mm-hmm. it's
1: just such a fun show. Um, I hope that's not offensive. Is that offensive? <laughs> no I, i've never actually watched it I, I i do actually i have to say where my nerdity snottiness kind of comes out is when i see some of these things like oh man that's oh, not that's not uh, you know
0: <laughs> that's not accurate
1: <laughs> that's not yeah 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 it's the wrong time period it's the you wrong like male? No. Weird. That's the, not, yeah exactly yes, that's yeah. not what a, what a court looked like back in the yes, day you know so yes. so that's annoying the anachronisms kind of piss me off yes. a little bit. but do you have a favorite fiction of arthurian legend uh, uh well I guess um so I loved excalibur i, I mean the, it does the Mallory the 80s really well. the, yeah the eighties excalibur it does it does merrily mar um Mallory beautifully and I love the like the the cinematography and just yes. the, the whole feeling it evokes like yes. it's beautifully done yes and similarly I loved the Green Knight that just came out uh I they, haven't they kind seen of shift the story a little bit at the yeah. end which I was like oh. but oh my god it was beautiful it was beautiful it was beautiful and I did I loved the Mists of Avalon I got it I was in the science fiction book club and I forgot yeah. to send the thing back and I got two things two hardcovers: the novelization of, of Return of the Jedi and, and which I took as a sign because of the big Star Wars movie nerd 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 and, nerd, nerd. and yes. the mists of avalon which had just come out and it was this big honking book and i was yes. 15 but i was like i can do this because yes. i was doing all the ethereum stuff anyway and i loved it yeah. i loved it i mean all of this stuff that we know today different aside and and i will say if i can bring it up you know there are people who are like you know you shouldn't base your religion on a on a, on a fiction book like they think this is sort of avalon and the avalonian tradition is you know kind of Mist of avalon cosplay but i mean i think anything I that is similar is because it's based on the same source materials but certainly not the uh <laughs> it's not our holy book and i'm, I'm um, also gonna been, say this you know, um
0: fucking what is it scientology like, come on. right, dynamics, right. Okay, like, can we just worlds, whatever like, works know. for you if you're not yeah, hurting exactly. anybody? Okay, right. But the thing is that you're not basing if you are a devotee to any of these uh, goddesses, you know, gods, ideals, the fae, like all of these things that weave themselves through the Arthurian legend. All you're doing, as we said earlier, is interpreting your human experience through yes. these energies to help you understand spirituality mm-hmm. or your mm-hmm. spirituality. So fucking worship and, you know, bleh, 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 fuck those people. I'm just saying. That's, I'm, just, see, I'm sorry. It got me, got me all riled and my New York is coming right. out. That's um, right. But, you know, listen, I think for a lot of people, especially growing up in the 80s and 90s, our first introductions, our first Us. moments of realizing that there was something out there that was different, were movies and books and television and things that made you go, "Wait, magic! Wait, mm-hmm. wait, spirit! Oh, what, what do yeah. you mean? You know?" And and piqued your interest, that opened that door for learning. Wait, Avalon was meant to be a real place, is it? Can we find it? Let's go
1: see. Exactly. So on the nose, and and Miss Avalon especially, and not just people who are interested in Avalonian tradition. I mean, just people got into goddess worship and you know, and paganism and Wicca because it was like the portal of entry for so many people. Right. Her Lorena McKendrick music. I mean, it was all kind of in the same you know Enya on the same right. era. And I want to say, if I can say something really quickly. Yes. One of the things that I talk about in the book, so we are talking about the book, is this idea that in uh in in, in Welsh, the name the word for the other world is anun or anuven, which means the not world or the very deep. So the not world to me is anything that's not of this world. Mm-hmm. There is the three realms, this realm of sky above, which I see is the future, the mental, the, mm-hmm. you know, the potential, right? What has not yet been. Mm-hmm. And then the realm of sea, which is the past, what has been, what was the realm of the ancestors, right? Mm-hmm. That, that piece. So what is no longer and what has yet to be or is not or has a potential of being are both parts of the other world. And so history, you can say, is the past. It is, it is the realm of sea, but ideas and thoughts and literature of that mental mind, of those thought patterns, of of of, of potentialities that uh they're potentials that have been realized somewhat but they don't exactly exist and I think they're part of the other world as well. So, legend is part of the other world. Myth is part of the other world. And so, how is that different in the end, right? I I, I feel like they're both entwined with this being the realm of land between this is the place of causality it is the place of yes. creation, is the yes. place where we bridge. We bring potential into being, and we release that which doesn't serve us into the past, or bring back things from the past, right. and set our motion into motion a future that we wish to realize. And so, wow. I feel like then, what difference does it make if it's a piece of literature that inspires you to shift and change, or you know, a, uh, a canonical, um, you know, piece of you know history. That we can practice today. I think I think it can do the same thing. So
0: so true, and and I love that idea of you know, I I, we are often in a ritual, and and, you know it's you know above, below, and within, and that idea Mm -hmm. of these three realms of past or um, dead or Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to say dead, but like previously living. You know, because they're still in, they're still in spirit, but mm-hmm, not necessarily mm-hmm. dead. Um, and then, you know, something above, something that is uh, of imagination, of of you know that that above world, and then within mm-hmm. being me, being grounded in this practice, in this moment, in this body, in the in the middle, like you said, and we we are the linchpin that holds those things together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? so so beautiful um what do you hope people will walk away from in this new book what do you think what do you what's your your hope that somebody's going to pick up this book and read it and they're going to take from it
1: Thank you for asking that. I, I've been saying that this is my mullet book. It's all the academia in the front and all the practice in the back. Um, And so I think it'll appeal to a wide range of people. I go deep. I wish this was the book I had when I started down the Avalon path. I mean, truly mm-hmm. I've been writing this book my whole life. Um, But um, I pulled together all of the sources, all of the research, both of what Avalon was, those streams of, you know, currents that inform her tradition, uh, you know, those ninefold sisterhoods. I look at lore. I look at legend. I look at history. Uh, I look at holy women, uh, over time. What were priestesses like? What were druidesses? You know, who were these women? What, 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 uh, actual true, you know, history and archaeology? What, 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 uh, what do we have from them? And also looking at them in legend as well, because there is a a bit of a crossover, which is a whole thing. So it's part of culture. So that's the beginning of the book. And that forms the foundation of what comes after where I talk about how I found the ninefold in Avalon. We only have these little breadcrumb trails. We don't have a lot of information and who they are and how to connect with them. And then I lay out a step-by-step practice to coming into personal relationship. You Mm. want to, I talk about these ninefold paths, these multiple ways of being a bridge into connection with source. And it's about mastering. It's not about, you know, we think of a priestess today. We think about, you know, people who uh, facilitate rituals or are healers or do divination, but there are other ways of being in divine service. There's a the priestess scholar. There's the priestess activist. There's the priestess, you know, community builder, uh, the priestess artisan. There's so much, so many ways we can be in divine service. Um, And so it talks about that piece of how we can become sovereign and how our where we can find our sovereign service and step-by-step step to come into relationship with the ninefold, especially through the um, the focus of Avalon so it is both, it's going to feed your mind and it'll f- feed your spirit and perhaps you're in. So I would say to this people who are cultural reconstructionists, people who love the history, you know, you may look at it and say, Oh, this is God. But look at the front of the book. And if you look at stuff, you're like, which, I, you know, I get it. It's not for everyone. That's why there are priestess scholars and priestess, you know, you know, there are different ways, right? Different, different ways. And I think the thing is this, is that if we pull all of those pieces together, we don't all have to be everything, but yes. if we find the thing that burns in our hearts yes. where the awens, lies and we can give that out in the world we can share that gift whatever that is then we don't all have to do it i can write the books about this particular thing and other people but uh you can do the you know the the community building the other person can you you know what i'm saying and then together we're stronger that's i think the thing is about being in community and a community that honors and incorporates and uplifts the the gifts the dreams and the practices of everyone So well said,
0: so well said, Jenna Tellinger. Wow, I, I I just feel like you've completely blown my mind. This has just been the best conversation. This book is so exciting. There's, like you said, there's so much information. So, like, if you're in it for just the academic stuff, you've got that in there. If you're in that for the spiritual stuff, you've got that in there. But one informs the other, and you do it with such care and such reverence Mm. and such love and such commitment um it's obvious that this is your heart and you've been doing it for your whole life Mm -hmm. because it's in every page you know um i I, it's just it's just incredible um tell everyone where they can buy this amazing book this episode is not going to air like we're recording this just you guys know we're recording this in the summer and this is not going to air until like december so (laughs) so imagine hello future people (laughs) hello future people um we hope you're staying warm um (laughs) where can everybody buy this book and how can we follow you online and learn from you or maybe go on one of your amazing uh pilgrimages that's i'm
1: packing for one
0: now Um, i want to go with you i want to go with
1: you well we're doing one next year so uh that said, thank you. You can buy it everywhere. It's on all of the places. Please, you know, uh, patronize your independent booksellers. Yeah. Local books, uh, local bookstores. But if you, you know, if you have to, you know, do the online thing, then you know where to get it. It's everywhere. The ninefold way of Avalon. Um, thank you. And you can find me. I'm on most of the social media things. Uh, InnisAvalon.com is my website. It's Y-N-Y-S-A-F-A-L-L-O-N, which is the Welsh Innis Avalon. For Avalon, theislandofAvalon.com, sister.avalon.org, um, my name. Just look me up. I'm on all the places. I'm the only one with that name. So if you see it, it's me.
0: <laughs> and we will we will put all of those links and all of that everywhere on our show notes. So if you didn't get that or you need that spelling, we'll, we'll put it right there and you'll be able to find it. Um, okay, last question. I ask this to everyone that comes on the show. The question is, if you could have me as a kitchen witch, make you one magical meal, what would it be?
1: And oh why? Goodness. Well, I mean, it would have to be something Italian. Um, what part of Italy are your folk from? One side of my family is Napoletan and the other side of my family is Sicilian. Okay. So... My family is from the, the Naples region as well. Mm-hmm. From Avellino, which means the apple, place of apples, which is fun. Um but anyway, gosh, so I don't know, do you have do you make a homemade managotta with the, with the, with the uh, you know no? I I don't make homemade pasta. Uh, that
0: tradition isn't it sad that tradition no, died no. with my with actually my great grandparents. So there's I have one photograph, one photograph of my great grandparents. Michael and Teresa, And they are making ravioli from scratch. Uh-huh. Right now, my grandma used to. Right mm-hmm. by the time my grandmother was old enough to have her own family, she had four kids. She was a you know, a World War Two bride. She's like, screw this, I don't get time for making my own ravioli, you know. Um, so, right, so that wasn't something that, that was passed down, right? Uh, but I do make some mean brajol. So, oh god,
1: I have not. Right in like a hundred ages. Right, ages. Do, are you a meat eater? I'm like ninety percent. I was a vegetarian for a long time, but then I had to add some protein back into my diet. So, but would you? But eat I don't a cook brujol? it at home. Oh, I would eat. I would eat the hell out of a, of a bruschelle. Right, one of those falling apart bruschelles. Yeah, from, with the garlic oh, oh, and the parsley uh, in the middle. Yeah, yeah. and you get right? the, the Yes,
0: thing. yes, and and. My grandmother only made braciole for very special, mm-hmm. occasions special occasions. Because that cut of meat, a very very thin mm-hmm. cut meat was expensive, right? So mm-hmm. maybe once a year, maybe Christmas yeah. Eve, yeah. we would totally have braciole.
1: Okay. So I would Christmas Day because we did the the seven fishes on Christmas Eve. We didn't do the seven we fishes. Didn't seven she
0: season, didn't like yeah. the fishes. Ah, she, so. You know. And and I didn't really grow up knowing my Sicilian side, my dad's uh-huh. side of the family. So maybe they did fishes. I don't mm-hmm. know. When I first got married, I was like, I want to do the seven fishes. And uh, we were still living in New York at the time, and we had the families over, and I did all the fishes. And my father-in-law, who is, no, everybody ate it. My father-in-law, who is not Italian, who loves fish, it was was my husband and I's first Christmas together, and he's sitting there with, like, a big plate of, like, fried fish and shrimp scampi. And he looks up at my husband, and he goes, you married the right one. (laughs) Like, yes that. yes I, I, win, that. I win i win i would make you brazil so if you're ever up here in new hampshire visiting maybe the temple of witchcraft you come and mm-hmm. you see me oh my gosh okay and i will make you and i'll make Brajol for christopher too he probably well he'd eat it uh, but, i'm sure he loves it oh, yeah. yeah yeah he's yeah, italian yeah. right he's, he's yeah, italian? Yeah, his, yeah his mom was oh. italian mm-hmm. um Jenna Tellendrew, you're amazing. I am so happy that we finally got to like meet. Oh, and I now... love this so much. I feel like I'm talking to an old
1: friend. Right? Really, uh, I feel I really like I know you from like a second. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: like, yeah, we totally know each other. Um, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, thank and you until... for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Let's do it again. Let's do it. And until next time everyone, I wish you all the blessings in the world and so much gratitude.